welcome back to this week's episode of Beer Sucks. I'm Adam. Uh, to the right of me, I've got Brandon, and in front of me, the lovely Tim. Uh, this week, we've also got a guest. His name is Patrick James Matten from Ellerslie Hops. Hey, Patty, how you going? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. Do you like it when people get your name right? I love that. <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, man. Thanks for coming down, dude. Is it a, is it a hard P? Patrick. It was a hard page just then. Very. We really desperately I mean, it was pop. a hard effort, but... Oh. <laughs> well, Patty's fine, you know. It was much easier to spell when I was a kid than Patrick James. <laughs> 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 Which I like. I'm, I'm all about being, you know, easy, so... Able to spell your own name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I actually did know somebody that copied a test when I was in primary school and copied the name... At the same time, wow. oh, wow. I thought that was just why yeah. one of those urban myths that you hear about. It actually happened, and oh boy, did he never live that down! I yeah, bet no. he was spewing the Xeroxes became like <laughs> <it's> later. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Oh shit! Yeah. All right. Uh, this week, man, we're going to cover some more beer news because Adam doesn't like it when we call it recent happenings in beer. Oh, man. I did hear that on the last podcast, and I've got a side with Adam on that. Oh, yeah, so I'm do so I, glad. but these are things that we can talk about off air, like <laughs> I'm currently not Mate, doing. So I'm so salty. I'm all about <laughs> dirty laundry, and it's going out. <laughs> Why don't we just call it current beer and beer-related uh, topics that we could also discuss during this, this podcast? No way I'm sure we can find a way to make it more convoluted By the end of this episode But for now we'll call it Beer News Beer News We we do need the What is this fucking Morse code What the hell why are you both going to that as your default (laughs) Mate there is nothing wrong with that at all eh? (laughs) Um, Beer News uh, look, I'm going to kick off because uh, my name's actually down for one of these sections, so you guys weren't saying shit. Uh, I just got back from New Zealand. To be fair, yeah. it's also the first name and the first section, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Sorry. Yeah, anyway, um, I just got back from New Zealand. That's the magic of radio, though, isn't it, Brennan? <laughs> oh. What, that we can edit all of this out? <laughs> if yeah. only we knew how. I've figured it out. <laughs> oh, that's so glad. Um, yeah. Anyway, New Zealand. Something that you may not know about New Zealand um, is that Beer Varna was on. It was fucking epic. So I wasn't actually there just to go to Beer Varna. It was our one year wedding anniversary. Love you. How did the wife actually take that going to Biavana for your wedding anniversary? Because that well, sounds it, pretty rough. It wasn't really for our wedding anniversary that we we're at Biavana. You know, it was just uh, a neat little. It's like when you're on a quest in like a a, a game. It's just a side mission, you know. Biavana. Nah, come on, Tim, own it. <laughs> uh, she actually had a great time. Um, it was fucking sick. Uh, yeah, she's used to it as well. So, yeah, what was her she favorite? Well, she'd have to be. Yeah. <laughs> what was Angie's favorite beer? Um, the Prognosticator by Garage Project. Oh. Um, I'm probably not pronouncing that at all correctly. It was written in a weird font, hmm. so it could have been called the Bros Pro Ghosticator. Uh, I was in Elvish, hey. Oh, Definitely. So this is the black metal of beer lo- like labels, and you're just like, I don't even know what that says. No, it actually great. wasn't that hard to read, but uh, I'm making it blind. sound way harder. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What kind of beer was it? Um, it was some sort of uh, beer that was. It was a some sort of stout. I'm 
it was very hazy and it was served with like a burnt orange cream on top. Wow. See, it sounds like she enjoyed herself. It was practically yeah. her idea to go. Pretty much. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Hey, this is why we got him on the show. I know. What He's a got nice your guy. back a little bit too much. Yeah. Though. I don't like it. Nah. Especially considering like he doesn't understand the love that this man has for Stu McKinley from the Yeasty Boys. Oh, so yeah. Considering you're there on your one year anniversary and you probably kissed him on the mouth. It would have been a bit weird. I think I kissed him on the nipples. Um, look, so Beervana goes for five hours a session. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely did. Um, we swapped shirts. We got fully. I did see that, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How did that go down? It was great. Uh, he wanted it. I wanted it. So it you wore his smell all day. All Is day. That weird? Well, yeah. Yep. Um... <laughs> At what point were both your shirts on the ground next to each other that this accidentally happened? Um, around about the time some sweet, sexy sacks kicked in. <laughs> I'm really not going to say anything because there is a photo of me and Stu online with no shirts on. And I took a screenshot of that shit and I've actually got a worse one. Anyway, anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Um, Yeasty wow. Boys, Stu McKinley. Uh, what a guy, what a guy. He's the loveliest yeah. man in craft beer yeah. today. You've met him... No, no, I haven't had the pleasure. When you do... Swap shirts. Definitely. Um, <laughs> look, I did try and go buy a Yeasty Boy shirt and they only had like extra large and I was just like, mm, hey, Stu, and he had an extra large. He's like, I'm wearing a medium in his funny accent. Hashtag, you don't have a funny accent, Stu, sorry. Um, and he swapped it with me there and then. We got naked in front of everyone. It was awesome. Uh, and then we went up to their backstage area where there was no alcohol. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Look, Beervana. You're definitely si- getting sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> over 64 breweries in their um, in their stadium, Westpac Stadium in Wellington. Uh, it was fucking cool, man. Over 450 beers you could try if you had the liver of like a thousand pygmy men from the Amazonian tribe. I don't think they've had booze, so I'm pretty sure they'd be completely fucked oh, up. Dude, they've got the saliva booze, either. you know what I mean? Where or they, or big livers. Booze. Yeah, they do. They've got that one, <laughs> the corn. Where they chew, no, they chew the corn to get the enzyme into it, and then they, yeah. they ferment the corn and make a beer uh, from that. Um, Dogfish Head do the same thing. they got everyone in their office to chew. It is, it's chicha, isn't it? I don't know. Mm, I don't know. They I did do that, be. though. Knick-knack, paddy-whack, Patty's got my back. Yeah. Oh my fucking god! Uh, they just did a bro high five. I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's going to be some shirt swapping. I'm really not happy. This is in my house right now. <laughs> no, I like this shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Beervana is one of the main launching events of Willow and a Plate. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going around for Wellington. Um, beer show for me is a beer that we will be trying a little bit later on from Baylands Brewery. It's called Vandasar, which is like a Russian imperial stout with. Vanilla nibs, it's fucking great. Um, you're going to have to relive it through us, which will be cool. Best stand was Cherbros. Really? Yeah. Which is also cool shit. Yeah, which is behemoth over, e- over here, I think. Or it's the other way around. Which one? I think it's the other way around. Yeah, so Behemoth Brewing is what they are over there. Oh, really? But because Kaiju has a beer called Behemoth, they couldn't yeah. be called Behemoth over here. As they I say that. Yeah, so they're Cherbro over here. That sucks. 
Yeah. They're uh, tropical. Was it a tropical pale that came over here? It was fantastic. Oh, the beach. Was it beached as? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. That, that was, was so, so good. tasty. Yeah. Yeah. So they had like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory themed um, stand. It was fucking cool. So you could get like dollops of ice cream and lollies and shit put in, put in beers. They're, they're Did you beer. taste any Schnozberries, Tim? <sighs> I didn't. That's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. That's because they would have tasted like Schnozberries. You know what a Schnozberry is, don't you? Um, I don't. Can I you tell me right meow? Oh, <laughs> I'm so angry you put meow in there. Um, I do think this is probably something where we need to have like a little secret Facebook group because it is actually disgusting what a schnozberry is. All right, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I've already been in trouble for talking bad shit on here before and I won't be doing that again today. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. Uh, and you probably will, but keep going anyway. Yep. It's so deceptive because you look like you'd be the least bad mouse out of the, the trio. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Seriously. And it's so wrong. It's it's really quite frightening because I'm at like the precipice of just like, don't ruin your career right now. Don't ruin your career. <laughs> I like the facade. Yeah. Oh yeah. He does it well. Yeah. Um Beavana. Uh, Beavana. Yeah, so what other standouts apart from the Vandersar tin? Um, I tried the barrel fermented with 100% Brett iced Ooh. out Oh, how that wide. That was fucking cool. So that was really 100% cool. Brett ferment, like, sack on a Brett, Brett, the Brooks yep. or some shit. Uh, look, I'm losing my mind. I've just had a stroke on air. I was going to say, sorry. by this point, you've got to bear in mind that there's a fucking lot of breweries. Like, there's 64 breweries. And I was trying to try a lot of guys that I had never seen before in Australia or at least... Um, beers that I had heard were standout. So if you had a beer from every person and you had a taster from every person, this is one of their beers. And a lot of these guys had like five, six beers you yeah. could have. You know, you're looking at um, like four and a half liters of beer and that's just tasting sizes. So you would have mm. just been tip drunk. Yeah, because I was like hammered. What, 12% alcohol? That's like... Good 500 mils of pure spirit. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was just doing so the maths on my computer I there. See, yeah. Well, I you weren't, but Tim was, so, so that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's sitting there like silently typing while Pat's just like rain manned on us. Yeah. 12% of 4.5. Yeah, 500. <laughs> I'm always really interested um, how they, how other countries do festival payments because I was at the beer festival, which was great the other day. And um, I, uh, the use of card with the little card receivers, I thought it was a good thing. And I, I mean, personally, I think maybe PayPass was invented by someone who works in a busy bar because it's such a great mm, thing for mm. the hospital. But I hate, um, I've been to a few festivals uh, recently that were great festivals, but I hated um, the manner of having to pay, um, yeah. you know, loading up your, your wristband and then that being non-refundable. And I just think, leaving a sour taste in the customer's mouth at the end of one of those beer festivals is the last thing that the industry needs. Um, so how do they do it over there? Look, that's actually funny that you say that because I'm not even joking. I writ that, I, I wrote that, I writ that, I didn't get past year seven. Use your um, talking mouth, Tim. <laughs> I actually wrote that down <laughs> as the method of uh, that they used. So they actually used, um, it's similar to that same system oh, of wow. where you preloaded a... Um, a wristband, actually. So, it's a wristband. It seems super flimsy, and it's this brilliant technology. 
that it didn't feel lumpy. It didn't feel like you were wearing a watch or anything like that. You didn't have to carry around a lanyard. It was as if it was just your normal over-18 wristband. And that's what was loaded. So it had a little microchip in there. And uh, at the end of it, you could get um, anything above a dollar refunded back to you. That's great. So it really sped up everything because all it was was like, uh, you've got 37 bucks left, which in New Zealand dollars is like, you know, a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, That's great. And their pricing guide I found really cool because um, it was all based around percentage of beers. So like four and a half percent and under was two dollars a taster. But their tasters there are like seventy five mils. Uh, you know, between four and a half to six and a half was like two dollars fifty. And anything over like ten percent was six dollars as a standard. So it didn't really come down to what the brewery wanted to do. It was all around, um, hey, let's standardize stuff. Uh, which I think in, in that case makes it a lot fairer on not only the breweries but also the punters themselves because then they can sort of go, okay, you can look on the app beforehand, which is a really epic app, and just sort of highlight, hey, I want to try these beers because, yeah, it, trying a beer from 64 different breweries is like impossible. Yeah, yeah. that's where I I had a bit of an issue with some of these festivals that are run here in Australia just due to the payment system. Like um, myself and a few friends have flown over to GABF in Denver, Colorado a couple of times and that is just a one-off fee. So if you're lucky enough to be able to get tickets in the first place, it's forty. it was 45 the first time we went and then it went up to 55. Yeah. And then once you're in, that's it. So and then the only th- thing you so pay they for... Pay, they pay the, the producers? They pay, I, yeah. I'm unsure how they've actually run it but... You know, you pay your one fee and you go in and you line up for tasters and your tasters are free. You That's a great the, concept. Yeah, yeah. Great. it is a great concept. It's four hours only. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do pay for food and, you know, heaps of merch. Uh, there's no takeaways or anything like that. But four hours, go as hard as you want. And they also have, like, obviously, like, standard sort of stuff. So they'll have special releases at, you know, X time or whatnot. But yeah. That's all free at the same time. So... It's a lot of fun. So coming back and then having to pay, you know, $20 a ticket and then $150 on the day, mm. it kind of hurts. I mean, you've also got other other things involved there because obviously they don't get taxed on, on oh. alcohol percentage levels like we do. Very true. Um, so I'd presume that they would have some sort of profit share system where, you know, $55 per head, guys will sh- split this month. I feel like that would be a, a, a fair way. But as you said, you come over to our festivals, you pay... You know, thirty dollars out of whack, and that and that does legitimately go towards to pay for a lot of the infrastructure that's been set up. But and insurance. Let's not forget the, which the is good a people at insurance companies <laughs> that <laughs> looking after us all there at the festivals for the majority of your ticket price. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, insurance company. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got a couple more notes here, so I'm just going to say it. Um, the Kush Liberty. Uh, IPA was fucking dope. Mm. It was sick. Literally? Yeah, it was full of dope. Um, I got super high. Yeah. Really? No. Bum, What's bum, the deal with the Kush so anyway? Well, it was just like a super dank IPA. That's what it was. I think it was about 7.5%. But it, it took out what was called the West Coast uh, IPA Challenge, which is something that's held in in Wellington for basically Beervana. And uh, Liberty's actually taken about uh, three IPA challenges out. Really? Yeah. So Citra was one of them. She's oh. such a fucking good beer. Knife Party was another one. Citra just takes everybody out of the party. Eh? Yeah. After, yeah. I had sadly bought a pint of Citra over at Melbourne Gabs this year. 
and that ended my night. Having that shit like at any given fresh. time, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> But yeah, super fresh. This Kush was like a week old, man. And that was the biggest thing. That was probably my take home for, for New Zealand in general. Like they've got some really cool stuff. Like um, just earlier today, we we're drinking their Kerrero, uh Night Spirit, which is a 12% Imperial Stout aged in like a New Zealand whiskey barrel. Um, they've got a, a really mature um, craft beer scene, but also they still just fucking froth on the IPAs and Every brewery had at least one IPA uh, in some form or another. Like, and then they'd have their Nipah or their double IPA and that sort of, th- sort of thing. It was epic. And anywhere you went, like literally anywhere you went, you went to a cafe and they sold beer, there'd be craft beer on it. And that wasn't just like Wellington. That was pretty much any venue I went to. Um, Auckland, Taupo, Hamilton, probably pronouncing like... Taupo wrong, but whatever. Yeah, it's probably people that hate you right now. <laughs> oh. It's Taupo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anywhere you went, it was just like a really well-established uh, beer community that if you if they sold beer, they'd have an offering for everything. It was awesome. Anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's sick. Uh, we've got a long way to go until we get there, unfortunately. Yeah. Very yeah. <laughs> we all said that super flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because it makes us all sad, that's why. I'm just trying not to say, yeah, exactly, like I did about 400 times on the first episode, apparently. I think it should actually become I a thought drinking that was a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if exactly. you guys are listening to this and I do say, yeah, exactly, that is a quarter of your drink. Yeah, so skull. drink up, fellas. Um, now, you raised a, a fun point about uh, festivals in Perth versus, um, you know, what you've come across here in other areas, Paddy. Um and uh, I think we're going to perhaps even segue off into a little bit of that. Yeah, I believe Adam wants to discuss some beer. Yes. Festivals. Trying not to say exactly so much. <laughs> um, so at this time of year, we are coming into festival season. So um, as the as winter is yeah, it's slowly leaving us, um, coming into the warmer weather, we now have what is going to be an absolute plethora of events week in, week out, leading up into WA Beer Week and then continuing on into summer. So um, I'd had a bit of a feeling last year that we, like our, you know, the general public was just smashed with uh, events so much that it really didn't play well with WA Beer Week because by the time that actually came around, there was just so much had actually been going on that all of the events just sort of paled in comparison to all these massive, massive events. Do you guys see anything into that? I, I'll have to disqualify from the conversation. I was actually overseas um, most of last year, um, touring around to breweries and things, luckily. So, um, oh. yeah, I, I'm not going to complain about it. But oh, I, yeah, we, I have no we feel idea real sorry like, for uh, you. Yeah, yeah, as I do about the Perth um, <laughs> public that obviously were bombarded with beer festivals. And oh, Look, I'm, I'm not going to complain. I think it's um, a dangerous thing for people in Perth to complain about having too much to do. Because for the longest time, we've had fucking nothing to do um, and no cool events and no really, you know, good specialised festivals. Mm. Um, look, it, it is an issue, I think, and it's an issue WA Beer Week is also facing, you know, having talked to those guys a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's got to be a really tough thing because there's a lot of a lot of smaller events. They do have, some have, you know, moderate to high ticket prices. They're all relatively well put together and curated events. And then they're just being, you know, blown out of the water by low, you know, low ticket entry events that end up 
costing the consumer quite a lot because of paying for everything once you're in there. Mm. I guess um, well, the one thing I would say, I mean, my background's hospitality and tourism and um, and I love love that side of, of Western Australia and how we, we do have such a strong tourism base. And um, I'd say that, unfortunately, not enough people maybe look at it from a honeypot uh, point of view where if these events could lead into each other, so mm. you sort of qualify for possibly a, a special tech ticket price if you attend the first event and a bit more collaboration um, on the organisers' parts to encourage people to do the full trail, you know, maybe... I know over east I've seen um, passport systems that worked really well. It could yeah. be a week, yeah. you know, to yeah. get people going to different venues. And there's no reason why that couldn't work with the with the events because let's face it, you know, um, there I- there is a lot of people in our state who um, have given up on trying to buy a house and have a lot of disposable income. So there's no reason why they couldn't be going to an event every weekend um, if there was a motivation for them. And maybe maybe that should be the focus rather than reducing the number of events. And, yeah, do you think and I think there's a couple of people who are about to trial this system. I know somebody's doing it for WA Beer Week. I believe there's going to be a Fremantle Beer Trail Ooh, kind of system. Be, I know Clancy's down south has discussed it as well, doing a passport system, so that's pretty cool. I love the sound of cans cracking. It's just so good. I could just see Tim desperately trying not to get any can sound to come on. It's like, well, get rid of it. Just do it. Yeah, you may as well just do it. I was desperately trying to do it. And yeah. then he gave me the stink eye. That's She's been I'm doing a lot today, so Look, that's I can't right. help it. I we'll had a, I had a really good day, but for some reason, even after an amazing episode of Twin Peaks, I'm still really salty. Can we just not talk about Twin Peaks? Oh man! <laughs> Look, I, I think you know a, a, it's not just festival related. Um, I think a lot of the festivals were really bunched up last year, especially. There was a lot on. They were super close. I think Perth Craft Beer Fest this year have done a really good job of, you know, as Tim brought up earlier off air, separating themselves from that, doing it earlier in a month where it's cold, it's rainy, when people aren't trying to target these events so much. Look, I think they did a great job of, uh, as you said, like identifying, hey, this is a pretty crowded out market. We don't want to be apart from this, but we're going to do it in August indoors um great concept and i think they use that same that same system where you load it up on one particular system and there was no mix mash of like different payment systems so that slows down the whole process a lot right it to be honest i i was one that was detracting a bit from this festival to start off with because the due to the marketing that was actually put out it just looked like it wasn't going to be much of a tailored craft beer festival rather than just a big festival with beer there but uh, I was lucky enough to head there on the Saturday night and it was fantastic. There was, we were able to, you know, go and chat with brewers. It was really well set up. You had the outside, which was just one big party with stages and basketball courts and whatnot. And then you had the inside section in, was it Robinson Pavilion or one of the pavilions there? I'm not sure. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was a big, big oval shape. You could walk around to each place, speak with brewers or representatives of the breweries. And, yeah, everything was really relatively well-priced and it was just a lot of fun. So, yeah, hats off to those guys for putting on a kick-ass festival. Yeah, they did. They fucking killed it, which is awesome to see, especially at that time of year. Um, I think as far as WA Beer Week goes, I I believe they're going to start curating some of their events last year. I think this is a bit of a problem, you know, not just with our market. Uh, People are trying to do things like tap takeovers and trying to say they're a special event. 
But I mean, let's face it, people do fucking tap takeovers every weekend now, basically, which isn't a bad thing. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, tap takeovers from local breweries, interstate breweries, you know, um, international breweries. Um, bringing over rare beers, one-offs, seasonals, and doing tap takeovers that go with it, I think is really awesome. Um, but I don't think a tap takeover cuts it as far as a beer event goes anymore, at least not a special one to do during... Well, if it's if you are going to be requesting a ticket price for that event in the first place, then you need to be bringing the heat, really, because we really want to be able to get more of the public out and excited and interested in these events. You know, I really want to see some... Which just comes back to, I I think, which was the foundation of this podcast and making beer fun again and taking away, like, you know, beer degustations, we've all done them. They're they're amazing. But at one point, it looked like tap takeovers and beer degustations were about all we could come up with for beer events, which was a little bit boring, I think. I think, you know, as as someone who, you know, thoroughly, you know, lives this shit, I, I do love a beer degustation. I love the fact that we Me can too, man. that we can get out and show people that beer is as good, if not better, pairing than you know than wine with food. But at oh, the end it's of the day, better. It's you know it's probably not as fun as you know as what it should be. You know, let's. There's yeah, probably but, but that's all right, but then you need those other events to supplement. Yeah. Probably it. It a long be journey all there. Beer degustations. Yeah. It's probably a long journey there to be to be had. Probably utilizing. Uh, different variances of hops. Like, do you find that you get much call for that if someone wants to do like a beer degustation or anything like that? Um, I think people try to do uh, <laughs> special things for these events and uh, definitely power to them on that. Uh, I, I definitely agree. It'd be nice to see some variation in the creativity in the in the events. But often, um, and you guys know from being in the industry too, is um, often people are busy. You yeah, know, busy people are really fuck. busy, and yeah. people are just trying to, you know, keep, keep their head above water. They're trying to, you know, fight uh, market pressures and trying to get themselves on on tap at different different venues, and yep. they're concentrating their efforts on that. And um, sometimes they just don't get the time to to sit back and brainstorm on on an event. Um, so I think that the more that uh, we create our own identity as a West Australian uh, industry, uh, the better. So if we could come up with our own thing, I did. I saw a brewery. Um, I know you guys try to avoid plugs, so I won't mention mention who they were. Oh no, no, go for it. Oh, that's all right. right. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did say that the beer farm um, did a tap hijack. Yep. And even just phrasing it differently, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, like um, it's nice to see differences. Same with beer styles and things. I mean, mm. it's great that we've got um, we've we've nailed IPAs. Like you know, it's some of the my favourite IPAs and double IPAs are West Australian ones that I've had in small batches from breweries around here. Uh, but it'd be cool to see those develop into our own true style as well. So, and I think, um, you know, the more that the ingredients become specialised and the, the focus on drinking local and drinking fresh and, you know, that also includes the ingredients. Yeah. Um, and the more that happens, we can have degustations that are specialised towards, you know, farm to plate and, having the same thing with, with all the other ingredients is, is probably a direction we should think about taking because it reduces food miles, it um, creates a specialised uh, product with a terroir yeah. of its own, you know. Well, there recently was a farm to plate with that said brewery and a, another local bar. They used a cow from, from that place actually in, in the degustation. Yeah, which is sick. Yeah. I dig that. Um, so, so moving on from festival and events talk, um, the last bit but of beer before news. we move on, 
Maybe we'll make that a topic for discussion on uh, Hit Up Beer Sucks on Facebook. Uh, make yeah. it a topic of discussion because I think there's a lot that vendors and customers alike can have some really, make it positive, feedback. Because uh, yeah. I think that's a pretty poignant topic. I think we found a lot of value in discussing it as a, as a group. I think Let positivity here is the key. So if, if it's not constructive, then it's probably not worth being on there. And if you're not positive, I will go to fucking war with you. So, <laughs> actually, that's probably not discouraging people, is it? Whatever. No. <laughs> uh, moving on from it, but yeah, please get in contact. Let us know what you think. Uh, moving on, last bit of little bit of news that we're just going to hit on ever so slightly, mainly because I haven't done a lot of research on it. Um, because, as Patty mentioned, we can all be incredibly fucking busy at times. Is Something I've got a little bit of a bee in my bonnet, which seems to be a little bit of a consistent theory with me. I, I bring the salt take, quite gonna, occasionally. Yeah, take the bonnet off. Brendan's bee in his bonnet. <laughs> what grinds like my gears? Peter Griffin style. Um, <laughs> AB InBev buying into rape beer. Um, I think, you know, boo. F- boo. Yeah, from, boo from what, what I can see, they're saying they're just kind of doing it as essentially market research. But, but that's I exactly what it is. That, that, that's exactly what it is. Like yeah, they but get I don't access to people's details, what styles they like, to the nth degree. Like rate beer wouldn't be, would be like, oh hey guys, uh, or hey Adam, I know that you really love. Um, oh, stop right there! <laughs> stop right there! <laughs> I don't want anyone Marcus. talking about my internet history <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, but I mean that that part's disgusting enough. But I mean, where where? <laughs> Look, I, I meant I'm them having access human. to the information, uh, but where where are they going to draw draw the line? I mean, they now have a vested interest in the company. I mean, they've paid good money for it. Do they now start curtailing? Uh, are you worried about reviews? like a Murdoch style takeover? Or well, of course, look, I think I think what most likely will happen with this is AB and Bev now have bought in to so many like small brewers, independent brewers in the US. They're no longer prob- independent. No longer independent, but they're probably getting to a point now where they don't actually need to do that. They actually have the talent already there, and now they're going to be having this market research that they'll just start doing their own shit. I was going to say, do you think they'll start... Um, Potentially. you know, If there is a market for it, and they actually have the talent to start up from the ground up, they'll do it. They'll start setting the trends. Yeah. They'll it's, start setting... It's do you think they'll start setting benchmarks? It, I don't know. Considering that AB and Bev is already one in three beers consumed, they are now putting fingers in pies. They're they're one of the correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, one of the world's largest corporations. Um, you're holding up uh, oh, no, I was saying, yeah, a peace sorry. sign or two fingers. I don't know what it is. It, it's definitely not a peace sign. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, are they just becoming so big that we can't escape it? Yeah, maybe. It is. It's Fuck. a genuine. It's a genuine worry. Like you know, that that was the the whole deal behind these sort of takeovers back in the day, anyway. And I don't put my tinfoil hat on very often, but to kind of feed into that, a lot of people had said the same thing about them purchasing Northern Brewer. So yeah. Northern Brewer is very well known, very you know, a homebrew supplier in America, basically with a massive distribution network. Um, but I'd lo- I'd seen a lot of criticism of people saying, you know. It doesn't make sense for them to purchase that, given you know what they do and the profit margins versus um, you know amount of time spent and labor returns. 
but that they were just buying Northern Brewer to see what homebrewers are brewing. Because we know homebrewers are quite often at the forefront of new beer styles and recipe development and, you know... Cool yeah. stuff like that's happening. Isn't that where like American brown ale and everything came from, from the homebrewers back I in the 80s? I have no idea, but I'd like to assume so. Mm. I'm going to assume so, and that's technically correct. Yeah, let's just put that out there as fact. I think I think that's true, because my dad um, is from DC, and he said the only beer that you could get that was anything near, well, anything different than sort of your mainstream beers was Bock beer, and you got it, um, you know, once a year. And the rumor was that it was uh, the big companies cleaning out their tanks. But for a long time, that was it. You either got, wow. um, you know, cause light or you or got... Bud light or Bud yeah. Light. Well, I guess back then it was just cause and Bud. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah before everyone wanted a yeah. light beer yeah, for some fucking reason. Oh, man. Which is interesting though, man. And I think that kind of leads us into the next section of our podcast, which is actually interviewing our guests. So again, thanks for coming on, Patty. Um But, you know, a little bit of your history. You are obviously ex-venue manager at Cheeky Monkey Brewery, which is a... Fucking awesome brewery, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I wasn't, I wasn't the ex-venue manager there. Um, no, I was uh, operations manager there. Um, so basically, it was a one-year contract, and um, the venue had been run. It, it's a really cool venue, and it's uh, it's very family focused. And uh, my wife had worked there for a few years, wow. and I just is that where you met her? No, no. I actually met her over. Um, at Little Creatures when I was uh, waiting tables there uh, when I was just in sort of my second last year of uni um, which as you know they, they let you take seven years so I was in my sixth year of uni <laughs> and um, I we had White Rabbit Dark Ale on tap for the first time ever which actually uses well the original recipe used Ellerslie's Cluster Hops fresh picked so awesome um, yeah we uh, what a twist of fate that is but I, I <laughs> saw her and her th- two gorgeous mates sitting at a table in my section and I took over a sample of White Rabbit Dark Ale and just so that they didn't feel uncomfortable I took myself one and sat down <laughs> with them and um, tasted the beer and went through the refrigerated uh, fermentation chamber and all the fancy sort of keywords we've been given by marketing and, um, <laughs> then i got knocked off for some reason i don't know why they they decided I, I wasn't working hard enough and as i was crossing out of the car park um her and her friends waved goodbye to me and my wife got up to go and have a cigarette sorry mumsy if you're that's uh, my mother-in-law if you're listening to this but um and then i i, I stopped what i was doing and walked back and walk down that long sort of smoking area laneway towards her trying to think what i was going to say and um, sort of managed to stutter that I hadn't seen her before and could have her number and um, she gave me a fake name and so I've referred <laughs> to her by that name ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I really like that. This is the first Beer Sucks love story. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. I think we need more of them, to be honest. I don't know if we're going to get any more, so this is going to be the greatest thing to actually be on the airwaves. Whatever so happened. What is the fake name? Lola. Oh, Lola. Really? Yeah, yeah, her name's actually Lauren. And, um, and Lola. Lola, I've, I still refer to her as Lola in front of her family and everything. Cause I why actu- not? I actually thought that was her name. So yeah, yeah, yeah most people do. <laughs> <laughs> I talk a lot more than she does, evidently. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. But now you've obviously got a new role over at Ellerslie. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's been, I, I mean, I guess... Uh, there was a bit of a backstory to it. We'd uh, been saving up for a, a long time um, to go on a big holiday. My dad, as I said, is, is American and my mum's from the Netherlands. But we have family all over Europe and 
Um, so I sold a business in uh, Margaret River, which was a really uh, fun experience with a, a good mate of mine, Sam Oliver, who I've known since I was 18. We worked together in the industry for about eight or nine years uh, prior to that and um, started a company where we were doing training manuals and um, that quickly progressed into company structures. But a lot of the businesses in Margaret River, uh, we were in a fortunate position where they changed the tax system so they needed to suddenly make a, make a profit. Uh, which hadn't been an issue before that. Uh, so we uh, started a business doing that and we thought we wanted an office and that turned into, um, as we looked for a space for it, the spaces got bigger, it turned into eventually being this cool kind of place where we sold coffee and we sold antique furniture and um, we had art exhibitions. So we'd sold that with the idea that we'd go on this holiday and my wife had just started studying. And uh, when we moved to Margaret River, it was meant to be for three months I managed to push that out to six years. So uh, when she asked if well she could done. have one year to fit, thank you, wow. one year to finish her studies, I, I agreed. And just at that time, a few things went down at Cheeky Monkey, where um, Tony, who'd been a big part of that that um, place for a long time, he's now at the Common down in Margaret River, running a really good craft beer bar. If anyone gets down there, shameless plug. <laughs> not um, at all not at all great place yeah exactly and so he ended up uh leaving at, at the same time that i was just doing a few casual shifts and brent got talking to me about the direction they want to take the company in and we came up with uh, a mutual kind of agreement where i do a year for the family and so we did a year we brought in the canning line there um we brought in a lot of um sort of management structure uh just ironed out the creases you know any family business kind of evolves more than um yeah, yeah, definitely. Form. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we worked together and um, Brent became a really good friend of mine. He's, um, he, you know, he, he's really passionate about craft beer, as you can see, and uh, where Cheeky Monkey's going now. But it was always at the end of the year, we're leaving and we're going on our world trip. So I uh, took off and was fortunate enough. I've got a cousin that um, really likes me and he sent us a, a little car to go around um america in with the only rule being to drive it as far as we can oh that's oh, fucking sick man. yeah a, man yeah, yeah. it's pretty, cool pretty awesome yeah. yeah so yeah uh, he um he sent us the car to san francisco and we drove all the way up to seattle then we drove out um across sort of the middle we had friends in colorado and we stayed in bozeman montana where one of my favorite breweries there um from the trip is a place called white dog and it's really tiny and it's probably never going to make it to yeah, I was going to say, I've never heard of it, man. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. 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 But if you're in Bozeman, Montana, definitely go to White Dog because it's just a really nice scene, really good beers, really well made, oh, really small sort of brew house. And we went and visited, um, Adam would be stoked. We went to the cafe or the roadhouse where um, you get a cup of joe and some cherry pie for oh Twin boy. Peaks. <laughs> oh, that's some damn fine joe. Hey? It, it was, it was definitely, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then we went to the waterfall in the opening se sequence of the first series, uh, which was cool too. Nobody listening to this can see how happy I am right now. He's but I'm this gushing. is probably actually going to get cut out of the, the final. Hopefully, edit. yeah. yeah. If you guys <laughs> I was about to say, hope so. <laughs> like... I've been so salty today. If you guys cut this out, boy, I am going to be <laughs> one of those salt rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so we, we were driving across and just having a great time. We, we drove all the way uh, to uh, Rehoboth is actually where my dad and his family um, summered. Yeah, in Delaware. So I got there and I actually got there really late at night and uh, went to Dogfish Head because that's where um, obviously Dogfish Head's from. And yeah. um rolled in uh on a on a pushy that i'd borrowed from my cousin's house where we were staying and um i was too late and the barman was already oh i've shut the bar 
And uh, I was like, look, just just whatever you're drinking, man. I've, I've come so far. I just want to try one of the beers. And so the first beer I got to try uh, as far away from home as I've ever been was an Ella Smash that they'd done. <laughs> so obviously, Americans do have a sense of humor too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so anyway, a long story. After gallivanting all around, um, we were in Europe and... Um, Lola asked me, she said, what are you going to do when we get home? Because um, she wanted to move to Fremantle, uh, which, as I said, you know, I got my way for six years and you got to, you got to, you know. You got to pay back that's at fair some enough, point. Though. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And um, and then I said I was about six beers deep and I was like, look, I really want to be in the industry. Um, I'd love a, a job where I'm not competing with any of my mates because I know all the people in the breweries. I we can live in Fremantle where you want and I can go down to Margaret River and still um, catch up with everyone. I'd like uh, to be flown over east every now and then. I, I was, you know, I was six, six or eight points deep by this point. So I was just making up this job. And, and you then, were incredibly specific. Yeah, I was quite specific. <laughs> I, I've, I, I've been brought up, like my, you know, you might be, not be able to tell, the, listen, the listeners couldn't tell, but I have very long hair. My parents were hippies. So I've been taught that, you know, you've got to be specific about things that you want um, and put it out there to the universe and the next day no joke it popped up on my facebook through a friend of mine uh, that this uh, position was coming up with ellerslie uh, paul gasmier had been previously done it and um, so i got in touch with him and i asked him you know what what does this involve i mean i studied originally at uh, university i did a marketing degree and a management degree as well uh, so I then worked in the industry for a long time doing the things I'd mentioned previous. So I didn't know if I was completely suited because they wanted a, a broad to be doing the job. Yeah. And then yep. I spoke to um, Greg a couple of times through Skype while I was over in Europe and uh, we, we sort of got to know each other and the company really appealed to me because I've never really wanted a sales job because I don't like to... Um, you know, asshole people basically, and my experience of sales <laughs> jobs were quite um, accurate. Car sales, you know, things yeah. like that. And it's um, the Bill Hicks view on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, um, I, I sort of expressed that to him, and he said that he, um, you know, the it's a family company, it's fourth generation. Uh, we currently have about two hundred and twenty to two hundred and fifty acres under hops, with twelve hundred acres as the full farm footprint. Uh, currently, they're planning up a lot more and things, but. Um, he said, we are here to service the Australian market first. There's no other international companies that are involved. There's no answering to anyone else. Uh, what we want to do is uh, create hop uh, market and uh, grow hops for the Australian market first. If after that we have a surplus, uh, then it's open to the overseas market. Wow. Yeah, which uh, really resonated with me because, as I've said, you know, it's a big thing to me, food miles and things. Yeah. And, thinking of that like farm to, to table sort of aspect. So that, that appealed straight away. Um, he did say in our final interview, our final interview was um, just before Christmas. I think it was like the 22nd of December. I'd just gotten back from a nine-month holiday. Uh, we'd been in Bali for the last six weeks, so I wasn't like exactly... Work-focused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so Greg said, look, I'm going to fly over. I just need to meet you to make sure that you don't have any swear words tattooed on your face. And, um, <laughs> Immediately ran to the local yeah, laser like, surgery yeah, place. Yeah, got to, got to <laughs> take Somebody it off. get this yeah. off my <laughs> face yeah, yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Conceal is a hell of a makeup. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, yeah, and then so I picked him up from the airport at uh, eight in the morning. So, of course, because it was a job interview, I was up at about 5.30 sweating balls. 
and um, <laughs> cleaned my car, got to the airport, picked him up. We drove down to Margaret River, met up with Paul uh, Gasmir down there, had lunch, and then uh, drove back up to uh, Greg was staying up at the Crown up in Burswood. Uh, the whole time we talked about everything from, you know, work experience, brewing. I mean, I grew up home brewing with my dad, but my dad uh, taught me sort of the redneck home brewing methods. So <laughs> we um, we used uh, the salt water to clean our fermenters and then left them in the sun. And wow. we always brewed with uh, rainwater. And if we didn't have hops, we'd try something else. And if we didn't have enough, um, you know fermentables in there we might try a bit of honey or let's face it sugar a lot of the time so it's basically prison hooch is what you're trying to tell us oh i'd, I'd say it was a step up from that i was gonna say it sounds yeah, like yeah. the way that yeah. every home brewer starts <laughs> this, we're not talking toilet wine here right? so that's perfectly fine no one's getting couple, shanked over a bottle of this thing there was a couple of times when we had to like rizzers for who went into the shed because it got a bit dangerous walking in there <laughs> <laughs> shit was blowing the fuck up <laughs> so i was honest with greg about all of that and at about 9.30 at night or 10 o'clock at night, he said, look, I don't um, think you know everything that you would if you were a head brewer. And I said, yep, you're right. And um, But he said, we can maybe teach you that and I'd like to give you a shot. And I think that's kind of what appealed to me about the company from the beginning is mm. that it's really people-based and really family-orientated. Um, I mean, I work with Josh Croaks, our procurement and sales. and He actually does a lot of stuff um in the business and he's the fourth generation croak in in the company so wow um yeah it's really really nice and especially like after doing a lot of the the training manual stuff and that down in margaret river and even my own business i realized that um like a lot of people down there were in it for selling eventually and power to them like i mean i'm i'm a dual citizen I don't necessarily think it's selling out if you sell and you make a good profit and you, you can retire from that or do other businesses. That's still great to me. And as long as the product doesn't change for the consumer, that's still great. But it was really refreshing to work for someone that, um, in Greg's own words, he said, oh, we do um, permaculture here. It's not because I'm bloody hippie. It's because I want my great, great grandkids to still be able to grow hops on the property. Which oh, is fucking sick, man. Oh, no. yeah. How often do you hear that from Vosso? Uh, yeah. Never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, he, he expressed he wanted to move into the West Australian market a little bit more. Uh, we've partnered with Coopers because they've had a family connection since um, well, four generations ago. So we'll be um, having the Coopers malt, which will be out, which is going to be specifically for the craft beer industry. That's exciting, man. Pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm yeah. super excited about that. And it means today I actually signed off on a lease for a warehouse. So we're going yes. to have a Fantastic. physical premise here. Yeah, awesome. And, um, that'll be going into the future now for as, as long as we can. So connecting that link in the uh, logistics chain to make uh, more fresh, readily available products to the West Australian community? Definitely, definitely. I mean... On the East Coast, uh, there's a lot of the big big breweries still, but on the West Coast, it's very much um, run by the small guys. And that's something that I really um, am glad to see being embraced by everyone. Yeah. Is that rather than, you know, competing with the, the big guys, let's just get everyone drinking local. Yeah. yeah we've got the tyranny of distance. Fresh beer. Yeah, we, exactly. Yeah. The tyranny of distance really does kill us over here in WA, but considering that we're just making some absolutely shit hot beer right now, it's fantastic for us. Yeah, it's almost working in our favour in some regards. I think Reese hit on that on the last episode, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, it is. It, I mean, and it, I don't know about you guys, but I, uh, I think actually we talked about this off air that we all started in in bottle shops and things back in the day, or at least drinking from them. I yeah, guess. And, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, I, definitely I drinking <laughs> from them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then um, you, at the time you could get European beer or mainstream beers, and you yep. couldn't even really get American yeah. craft beer and. Uh, or independent beer. I guess craft is what we are talking about because yeah, we're talking yeah, about Sierra definitely. Nevada yep. and things like that too. I remember having a hoe garden when I was 18. I was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, and why does it have flavor? <laughs> okay, I can taste them. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Um, everything you brought up, especially with the, you know, focusing on Australian and sustainability and stuff. I guess something a lot of us know about who aren't, you know, in the hop industry, uh, are hop contracts. Um, but we really don't know a lot about them, to be honest. So, you know, we, we all believe that they're pretty tight and cutthroat. Um, is that true? Or, or are there advantages and disadvantages to spot buying, which is just buying hops as you need them, I guess, on the open market? Um, look, I mean, I'm not going to claim to be a veteran of the industry. I'm very open that I started in January. and um, But I think that, the term contract has a bad name. Yeah. I think the, in all honesty, I mean, we don't necessarily, we deal more in allocations than contracts. Sure. Um, the main difference being that uh, we're not going to turn up on your door and give you your hops unless you've requested a contract. Now, the advantages to the contract would be that you, uh, we might be able to work a better price um, on things, especially if we can project three, four years into the future and you want American and US and German stuff because we, at the end of the day, are running a business. Yep. And so we don't want to end up with a ton of hops that you got excited <laughs> about and thought that you'd need. And um, now no longer want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so in that respect, a contract is a good thing. A contract a good thing as well if... As long as, um, you know, if you have stuff that you you use in your core recipe, then contracting that's probably a good idea uh, just because then you're assured that you'll have the supply. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing things for seasonals, spot buying is probably just as good. But I do think that um, rather than the contract being seen as something that just purely benefits, like say a mobile phone contract, yes, isn't built to benefit the consumer. It's it's a one sided contract. You <laughs> know? Yes, yeah, yeah. Whereas a hop contract generally is something that's negotiated between the brewery and the supplier. Yeah, and in a way, especially with farming, I mean, I spent a lot of years. My dad's been in Margaret River my whole life, um, so the agriculture industry always benefits from being able to predict what the market's going to be in two or three years. Yeah. And then they can pass those benefits back on as discounts or as better products. You know, they we, um, for instance, have Greg uh, develop, we have a hop breeding program. So, I mean, Melbourne Astra are hops that we have at the moment that are proprietary. Um, we've got Voyager and Pandora um, still in the in the breeding program at the uh, moment. Say what now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Um, we like to name hops as soon as they kind of come out of the nursery, and as soon as they, uh, we don't we don't like to keep referring to them as a number once they're they're yep. past that. But Pandora and Voyager are still experimental. But as soon as we start to plant them out, we give them a name. Um, so Voyager named obviously after that pendulum song that everyone loves. I was actually thinking of the uh, is it the Perth Perth prog metal band Voyager. Or are they from over east? I don't know either of those references. And but I'd like to hear more right. about the hops. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what's the deal with uh, with these two? Because, yeah, Voyager and Pandora. I mean, fantastic names. So what 
yeah, do you have any idea of, you know, acid contents or Well, we're still profiles? running still running tests on them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as soon as we have tech sheets and things like that, then yeah. we'll be able to release all that information. Oh. But uh, Loose stuff. Loose stuff. What do you want from them? Is the ballistic? Are they a peach bomb? Is it going to be like, oh, yeah, that's just going to mouth shred your mouth I guess loose notes um, I was walking through the Pandora um, this year during harvest and um, I think it was about the closest I've come to finding my happy place without having to um, drink a lot of beer before it <laughs> oh boy right, I'm excited oh man I am yeah. Conor McGregor right now <laughs> <laughs> topical <laughs> Yeah, we're, qu- we're quite fortunate. I mean, Greg, um, apart from being obviously in the family company, he, he studied uh, horticulture yep. uh, before he studied brewing and then spent a lot of years in inside the company. So he's got a wealth of knowledge and passion and is directly affected by the outcome of, of his own hot breeding program because yeah, that's wow. his family business. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really unique spin on, spin on that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this year was great for us too. All our yields were up. Um, the alpha acids, were, I mean, the alpha acids were marginally up. Uh, yields were, we work on a 10-year sort of um, schedule, so yeah, the yields were quite up. Um, so, yeah, things are going well. That's awesome, man. Speaking about that knowledge, a little tidbit that Tim had raised before. I uh, was saying that when you're, you know, you're excessively dry hopping a beer, the IBUs can actually decrease which isn't something I'd heard of or even believed Tim when he said it. But Tim says a lot of things, so <laughs> I, I, I don't that think that's my fault. And thought he was just talking <laughs> straight up poop. Man, is there any truth to that? Um, yeah, yeah, there is actually. Uh, I think Tim's uh, yes! on the ball. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's There's fair- a first time for everything. It's fairly new science. Uh for a long time, I mean, um, the brewing science, as, as we probably all know, it's not new, but um, yep. we're going towards making uh, more stable, more shelf life, um, so longer shelf life on the beers and working towards that now, obviously, with the, the shift in the last 20 years and or 30 years now in America of moving towards hoppier beers and excessively dry hopping, um, things that were micro ingredients at, when you're you weren't Making doing a light these, lager. Yeah, yeah. are now becoming um, effective in the brewing process yeah. because you're chucking in so much dry hop. Yeah. So um, humulinone is a um, product that's on the hop leaf. And from what I've sort of read, uh, which the studies are really limited. Sure, um, yeah. I'll sort of caveat this with that. Um, they're also limited to the fact that they've, they're done with specific hops. Sure. And the, the study hasn't been broad enough that it's been done with all types of hops either. Yes. Yep. So I'm not going to say this is definitive at all because <laughs> yep. most of the studies end in a series of questions rather than a, a summary of where, where they're going. But from what I've read, um, when you're adding it, if your beer uh, already has a low IBUs, um, when you add uh, a lot of dry hopping, um, you add this uh, humulinone, which in itself is, I think, an oxidized alpha acid. Okay. Um, yes, it is. And so that actually uh, will make the... Uh, it's about 66% as bitter as alpha acid is. Um, so that will, in turn, add a bitterness. But what they've noticed is when you have a lot of this in, it actually oxidizes the isoalpha um, acid. Yep. So you end up decreasing the IBUs. But you do also raise the pH. So the perceived bitterness uh, might still be there, 
but in really high IBU beers where you're dry hopping them excessively, you might actually bring that IBU down. Wow, that's so crazy. Um, and I think it's a good example of how much brewing science we still have left to learn. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the New England IPA is a good example of that as well. Um, sorry to kind of tangent off, but I didn't know about hot biotransformation until last year. Mm. And I don't think many people did until what, a couple of years ago. I've, I've jumped on Google Scholar to do some reading and it's all, you know, as, as this IBU thing is probably pretty recent. So there's yeah. still so much left to beer that I think we still have to learn. It's yeah, pretty exactly. crazy. So if any homebrewers are actually out there, um, head on over to scottjanish.com. So that guy actually uh, does a lot of work with um, the mad fermentationist as well. So they have a plethora of, of amazing info on there, including uh, the initial scientific finding that Pat was talking about before, increasing bitterness by dry hopping. So, yeah, it's definitely worth a read because it's, it's some really cool stuff. There's actually a really great um, article in newsletter on the Hopsteiner website as well, which um, is our hop partners over in the US and in, in Europe. So, uh, a little bit of a shameless plug there for them, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, <laughs> if you look, you they, do, they do have a good little, um, little write-up that puts a little bit more into um, layman's terms. Sick. I'll yeah. have to check that awesome. out because I might understand that one. So, that'll be cool. Also, full disclosure... <laughs> That wasn't just my tidbit. That was direct from uh, Paul Gasmir. Oh, you should claim it anyway. Claim it, Tim. Um, I, 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 sorry, appreciate, I appreciate that one, Paul. Thanks for putting <laughs> me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks, Paul. <laughs> Look, we're, we're definitely going to take it a little bit lighter now. I mean, as much as I appreciated the, the nerding out. Man, just from your point of view, um, what kind of hops do you see trending at the moment in the industry? I mean, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't take a um, genius <laughs> to say that like mosaic is is obviously a big one. Yep. Um, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of the guys um, from Pirate Life down at my days in Little Creatures, and I know Red from Margaret River, and um, I wasn't with Cheeky Monkey at the time, but his his family had been down there. They've had Goodfellas Pizza. Yep. Great place for pizza and craft yeah, yep, beer. Yep. If you're there, mate. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know so. Um, they've done great things with that. Uh, that La Serene um, Mosaic Saison that I said we uh, I tried was was a great beer too. So I can yep. see that trending. Mm. Um, Citra is always going to be there, isn't it? As yeah. well, hopefully. Yep. Yeah, I um I think that uh, like from from my perspective, the hops that we've been really um, running, uh, um, Eureka's been a big one. Um, We've had Calypso has been a big one that's been picked up. Denali was a tad controversial in the first West Australian beer that came out, <laughs> but um, I don't I don't actually work for the company, and I'd say that that beer has developed. Um, I I really liked it to begin with, which um, not just just from a professional point of view. I also like the Denali um, that Steve put in the Homestead, the that American IPA that he dry hopped with. Yep, I think it's an interesting hop, and uh, but I really think that Triple XPA is. Um, developed into like a barley wine with tropical fruits and is yeah quite a quite an interesting beer you guys um if you get a chance uh you should try it again i will yeah. i actually will yeah definitely i'm ah. sticking out of this one <laughs> <laughs> uh that's awesome though man um look a couple of last questions i know ellerslie don't sell it um but we've we've been hearing a lot about lupulin powder it is um, pretty much the flavour of the moment as every man and his dog is trying to f get a jump whole, on, jump a whole heap of it and throw it in wherever possible. Yeah, yeah. Is it something you guys are going to look at, or 
Um, no, no, I don't think it's something that um, we're going to be doing very soon. Yeah. Yeah, I... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that it has great um, implications if, if, you know, you're worried about uh, filtering and things like that. Um, obviously, it reduces the... Um, Any crude and hot matter and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that. And, um, I mean, I guess my, my initial uh, response when I first saw it was that um, we throw that stuff out when it comes off of the pelletizer and... Um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm an American. I think Americans have a great knack for uh, marketing both sides of a product. Yeah. But I don't. Um, I actually did some reading about it today uh, by chance, <laughs> and I, um, I think that there's a lot more to the process than that. So, yep. um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can weigh in either way. I've never brewed with it, and I've, I've haven't seen it either. Um, so I'm sure that it has its merits. I, I haven't brewed with it either, which yeah. is, I don't think, it, is it available on a homebrew scale? Unsure, but yeah, speaking of shameless plugs, I am here to be your brew whore. So if anyone does have any lupulin powder, I would love to just pinch just a <laughs> wee bit, mm. just a teeny skerrick. Well, now that, now that you guys are famous, I'm sure that you can... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say famous. Whoa! Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's about five steps under that? I don't. I don't even think we're credible <laughs> yet. To be say, honest, <laughs> what's what's five likes on Facebook? <laughs> mum, Dad, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Mum. Mum doesn't have Facebook, but she gets <laughs> fed it from my auntie. So, thanks, Auntie, and thanks, Mum. Cool. All the shout outs. <laughs> um, you mentioned Eureka before. Yeah. We were consuming. We just drank one. Yeah. Pretty much this whole time, we've been drinking uh, a beer that's been brewed. In collaboration with Last Rites from uh, Tasmania, um, so Eureka is a proprietary. Yeah, well, Eureka is a proprietary hop from uh, Hopsteiner, so uh, it's an American hop. Uh, it's about just under eighteen percent uh, alpha. Uh, it's oil Whoa. content's huge. It's oil okay, I was going to say it's almost yeah. three, just under eighteen percent, just like Blase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a little one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, they're you know they're all getting bigger these days. That's I actually, huge. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of some of the the lower alpha aroma hops that are coming out. Like we have Astra is um, a hop that Greg developed, like full disclosure, but it um it has a really amazing like candied lychee aroma to it. Oh, beautiful, oh. yeah, really like tropical fruits and that kind of um, you know that almost like uh like riesling like tropical fruit, but like a dry steel kind of to yeah. it as well. Yeah, which I, I I'm really frothing on. Um, that might be because I've drank a lot, like driving around America, I drank a lot of high alpha um, IPAs. <laughs> yeah, you're just ready for a change. Yeah, toning back a little bit. Dude, um, I, but Eureka's been one this. of my favourites. Yeah, yeah. What did you guys think? Yeah, you Super guys. dank, man. I fucking loved it, mm. to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Like, e- even the can just still smells yeah, exactly. so pungent. Yeah, yeah. That w- and so they used, uh, well, Phil used um, our Vienna, uh, which is the Castle Vienna, yep. which is sort of our specialty malts. Um, they're for... If people don't know, they're Belgian um, maltings that is um, in a castle. Yeah, so it's the oldest, oldest maltsters in Belgium. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's sick. And um, Greg has a close relationship with them from um, over at Drink Tech over the years and meeting them, just like the same with Hopsteiner um, and Carlson because we actually do filtration as well. Yep. Um, there were all people that um, either Greg or his dad or his granddad met over the years and um, we've been their agents ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. Look, man, I think we're just going to finish up the interview section with a pretty wide open 
fun question. Um, I like fun. Yeah, well, so do we, hopefully. Um, what's something you want to see in craft beer? Just in general, man, it can be anything. It can be something you don't want to see. I mean, Reese took it to a pretty negative place last time, which I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. Um, I we, won't be salty this time. <laughs> <laughs> Just anything, man. What What are you hoping to see in the you know in the coming years? Um, I guess I guess what I'd really like to see is. Um, in America, I found it was really nice, just really how, how diverse all the styles and all the venues were. How, uh, they were run out of passion and they were passion projects. They weren't necessarily run for profit. They um, ignore, not not necessarily ignored um, trying to make a profit because obviously you need to. Yeah, like, let's yeah. all be real. That, that is business. You Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, we're, not, we're not in it for nothing. You know? You're not in it to go broke. A lot of people do understand that, you know, starting a brewery, you are just not cutting a profit for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I guess as purely as a consumer um, and not taken off my business hat at the moment would be that I'd really like to see Western Australian breweries um, being able to have a free-for-all, mm. not feeling limited by um, what being done over in america or what's been done over east or um being and i mean you know everyone's biting everyone aren't they like that's art you know it's like everyone gets influence from everyone that's how it's always been and how it's always going to be yeah. but it'd be really nice if um places could just do what the fuck they want yeah yeah you <laughs> yeah, know what yeah, i mean yeah. like blow my mind yeah why not like you know and and I know that that's dreaming. Like, you know, that'd be like if uh, the government started ha- giving handouts to breweries so that they didn't have to worry <laughs> about the public. But yeah, yeah. I'd really love to see someone, you know, just like throw two fingers in the air and go, this is us. Man, I, I, th- I think it's coming. I like to be an optimist at times. I think that's coming, man. As, as our industry and segment grows and, and matures, I don't think we need Absolutely. to copy everything that's so popular. Yeah. And you're going to get people forging their own paths. So, Well, I'd love to see America copy us. I'd, I think I'd love to see that. Yeah, I think same, you've actually, alluded yeah, yeah. to that earlier Earlier on. Like I've had a real sense that you kind of want WA to have its own sense of identity uh, identity in the in the craft beer market. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah right on. And so yeah. beer style would be cool as well. Yeah, something that the rest of the world can go. Like I was in Eastern Europe um, last year, and they they're doing West Coast IPAs. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you guys had a bit of a, a talk about Brewdog um, last yep. episode. Yeah, yeah. And um, one thing that I noticed driving all through those Eastern European countries, we went all the way up to, through Scandinavia and everything, is that they broke down the doors and they went, "Hey, you don't need to just drink lager or Baltic porter. You can." You guys can do whatever the, you want. And Look, um, to be fair, I'd be do. happy only drinking Baltic Porter, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you, are, you are a fiend. You, yeah. those, uh, you, you, you only really like multi dark beers, don't you? You should, you should be open about that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm such a cunt. (laughs) And that's why it makes me really upset that considering (laughs) Pat had talked off air about the fact that we could potentially make a cherry pie and coffee porter a la Twin Peaks beer and Brendan just shook his head, (laughs) now knowing that he would drink the absolute shit out of it. Yeah, Yeah. because I only like winter beers, so that's fine. I think that's a good idea, though, man. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to see those kind of venues pop up as well. That'd be sick. Yeah, it'd just be nice to see, like, you know, America and everywhere else biting Western Australia. Yeah. Because we aren't that big and we're very isolated. And 
I mean, being in Margaret River for so long, I expected that everyone knew where Margaret River was from because you got the Tourism Association yep. telling you all the time about yeah. how like, Margaret River is world yep. famous, like yep. one top 10 of places to visit in the world and all this. You go everywhere, they don't know where it yeah. is. Yep. Australian wine is actually marketed as Australian. Yeah, that's right. Apparently not region specific. Yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, I want I want someone to be like, oh, this is a West Australian banging ale. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, breweries, the, the gauntlet's been thrown down. Yeah. Establish shelves, <laughs> yeah, uh, just create a new get style. together, get a fucking <laughs> West Australian style of beer together, yeah. uh, get it done. Let's take this world on, yeah. Until then, IPAs are fine, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally happy with that. <laughs> All right, thanks, Patty. That was. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Dev, we hit dead air, so dead I'm speaking. Air. So thank you very much for that, Patty. That was fantastic. So, guys, uh, I think that wraps us up for another week here at Beer Sucks. No, it doesn't. Tim's no. going to quickly do a beer style oh. to finish us off. Segway. That yeah, is super smooth. I'm going to edit it out. That's an <laughs> almighty segway right back to where we're going. BJCP Section 7A, Vienna Lager. Overall impression, a moderate strength amber lager with a soft, smooth maltiness. Moderate bitterness, yet finishing relatively dry. The malt flavour is clean, bready, rich, and somewhat toasty with an elegant impression derived from quality-based malts. Like Castle. Like Castle. Or Coopers. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth, man, smooth. The plug machine. Uh, (laughs) Quality-based malts and process, not specialty malts and adjuncts. So there you go. That's that's what it is. If you want to know the vitals, you've got 18 to 30 IBUs. Um, your yeah, OG is 1048 to 1055. Your FG, 1010. I just love that. 1010. 1010 to 1014. And your ABV, you're going to land somewhere between 4.7 to 5.5. So as far as lagers go, you've got uh, a relatively amber color. They lager. do actually get quite dark. They can get up to 15 SRM. I was about to say 15 SRM, which is... As far as lager goes, you know, you're talking about something that's not just going to be a boring um, lager. Yeah, I actually made that mistake <laughs> once before and bought someone who is only a lager drinker of Vienna, not realising that it was going to be one of the darker styles. And he looked at me and was like, what the fuck have you just given me? <laughs> and then you were like, we're not friends anymore. Catcher. Yeah, I couldn't say that because he was 120 kilos and about six foot three. So <laughs> I would have been squashed completely. Maybe that's what that maybe that's all we need in West Australia is just a, a our own West Australian style beer glass that's completely opaque. Yeah, yeah. So people can't see <laughs> yeah, what they're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna Man, like it. Trust dude, me, dude. It, yeah. it would fucking help. That, it really would. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was just thinking about that. Like, we've got a lot of Swan Draft and Emu Export dedicated drinkers. Like, please don't let that be the fucking WA equivalent to to being our uh, our beer. Our beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. It's made in South Australia now. Well, yeah, so yeah. it's not our beer anymore, thankfully. Yep. So <laughs> get your head around that shit. Anyway. <laughs> um, guys. That's it. That is it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Beer Sucks. Thanks for coming on, Patty, man. We really Thanks enjoyed it. Thanks for having it. me, boys. Cheers, yes, it's Great been fun. awesome. Cheers. Awesome. See ya. Bye.